All right, be before we get started, uh, there was uh, one announcement I didn't make that I wanted to, to make sure we knew as a church community. Is there an echo with me? Is it okay? Sound strange? I just sound strange. Okay. Um, so just an announcement. Uh, this, this past, or this weekend, uh, Kathy Ritz Hinchcliffe passed away. Um, she's been, her and Chuck have been a part of our community uh, for over a year now. I know that we've been praying for her. Um, she just passed on uh, uh, late Thursday night. And so Chuck was here for a little bit. He was heading out to the airport to pick up some family. Um, thank you for keeping them in your prayers. Uh, this is a time we can uh, with, with love and support. Um, there's going to be a celebration of life uh, coming up, and we'll let you know. But just wanted to, to I, I know, uh, as, a, as kind of a smaller church community, um, that we could just come around uh, the Hinchcliffe family in this time of her passing. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, we thank you so much for this day and for this community of people. And Lord, um, we're thankful for, for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, even uh, as we, uh, this week, uh, mourn the loss of, of one of our uh, members, um, of a friend, um, we're reminded of the hope of resurrection, Lord, that, that death doesn't have the final say. And so everything that we do is a part of this story where you are making things new. And today as we open up your word, Lord, we just ask that you would pour life into us, that you would make things new within our soul, that you would speak to us, that you would transform us to be the kind of people that you desire. And so we give you this time, Lord, and just ask your blessing. Uh, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. It's a big book full of stories with big characters. They have big ideas and make big mistakes. It's about God and greed and grace, about life and lust and laughter and loneliness, it's about birth and beginnings and betrayal, about siblings and squabbles and sex, about power and prayer and prison and passion, and that's only Genesis. <laughs> this is my favorite quote by one of my favorite authors about one of my favorite books in the Bible, N.T. Wright. And I love it because what it, what it communicates is this complexity about the scripture. There's a lot going on here. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. There's a, a, a depth to it. There's... There's uh, a lot of stories that are confusing, um, and uh, it's a big book, and yet it's our book. We are the people of the book, and I uh, want to talk a little bit today about what that means for us as followers of Jesus. So I want to start with what is the Bible? Like this is, in today's sermon, uh, there's going to be a lot of content. This is kind of a technical sermon. Sometimes it's me ranting. Sometimes it's me, you know, but, or it, but today's going to be a little bit different. So a lot of content. Get ready. Get your pens out. Um, but what is the Bible? We call it God's word. Uh, we call it the Holy Scripture. Uh, we, we, in, in these words, we encounter God's spirit. Um, it has been given to us as something that is God-breathed and inspired. Um, it's made up of 66 books of various genres. So you have, like, in the Old Testament, you have the Torah, you have history, you have poetry, you have the prophets. In the New Testament, you have the gospel accounts of the story of Jesus' life. You have the letters, or the very churchy word, the epistles. Uh, you have uh, just, just a lot going on here genre-wise. Uh, there's 40-plus authors from a variety of backgrounds and occupations. It was written over a 1,500-year 1, kind of uh, time frame. There's 10 civilizations uh, that it was written from on three continents and three languages, and it's one unified story of redemption. It's a big book. 
Greg Ogden, who wrote uh, Discipleship Essentials that uh, some of our groups have been using, um, says this. He says, the Bible is the trustworthy depository of God's self-revelation to humanity. We look to Scripture as the only infallible rule of faith and practice. And in other words, if you want to know God's mind on how to live, this is what we base our life on. Scripture is the record of God's unfolding story in history the witness to the nature of his character and how we obtain that which is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, as 2 Timothy 3.15 reminds us. This depository of God's self-revelation. The Bible answers a number of uh, just important questions about life, uh, starting with how did our world come to be? Why are we here? What went wrong? How can it be made right? And where is it going? It's a big book. But more than just information about what's going on in this world, what God's up to, it's, the book is about formation. It's not just about information, it's about formation. And as we read it, as we encounter it, God forms us. He forms our heart, forms our mind, forms our soul. And as we started this series talking about discipleship, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? We're looking at these different marks. So we talked about this holy calling, that God pursues this relationship with us. This is relational God, this personal God who loves us, that pursues relationship with us and calls us to be a disciple and calls us to disciple others. Last week we talked about how this second mark is being humbly surrendered to God. Saying, Lord, I give you my life because I believe there's more meaning and depth and contentment life with you than just life on my own. The second mark is humbly surrendering. The third mark today is we're talking about the Bible. The third mark of discipleship is biblically formed. That we are the people of the book. We allow God's word to form and shape and mold our lives. God forms us with his word to be biblically formed. So how do we become biblically formed? Um, So the first thing, obviously, is we need to spend time in God's word. But we read it not just randomly. We read it methodically. There's a method to how we read it. There's a routine. There's a rhythm that helps form us. Now, if you want to get to know somebody, you need to spend time. You don't just, you know, see them once and you got them all figured out. The more you hang out with someone, the more you spend time with them, the more you engage them, uh, what you find is that relationship develops. In the same way with God, we encounter God through his scripture. Uh, We read it methodically. It becomes a rhythm to our lives. And I believe that when scripture, when we read it methodically, it nourishes our soul. We read it methodically daily because it nourishes our soul. When we think about all the different things that we do when we are weary or the things that we do to kind of like fill uh, fill our emotional tank, fill our physical tank, There's not many things that just nourish our soul in this life. In fact, a lot of the things that might nourish us in other ways leave our soul weary and thin. And yet when we come to God's word routinely, it feeds our soul, the spirit inside of us, where God meets us in these pages and speaks to us. You might call it our daily bread. Uh, The Bible is to the soul what food is to the body. So we come back again and again, routinely, daily, spending time in God's word. Uh, A really good tool for this uh, that I think is helpful to to make sure that we're doing this methodically each day, nourishing ourselves with God's word, 
there's this uh, group out there called the Bible Project. I know some of you might be familiar with some of their work. Um, they do an amazing job of taking this ancient wisdom, this ancient text, and helping us understand it in today's language. Um, they have an app, and I usually don't get up here and like promote things, but this is free. Um, but the app is called uh, Read Scripture by the Bible Project. And you can actually get this app and read through all of Scripture uh, in a year. Or you could do different kind of Bible plans at your own pace. But the idea is that you would create a method where you would just say, Lord, I want you to nourish my soul through your word. And I want to be intentional about it. As we read it methodically, it nourishes our soul. When we read scripture methodically, it also grounds us in truth. It nourishes our soul, but it grounds us in truth. It gives us this perspective of eternity and what God's up to in this world and in our lives. Uh, my wife and I got married when I was 21. I was young. I had a year left of college. She graduated because she's so smart ahead of me, um, maybe a little bit older than me. <laughs> when we got married, I had, we went back to Indiana where I was doing my undergrad, and I had a year left, and got there in the summertime, and I don't know if you, if anyone here's from Indiana, if you've ever been to Indiana, we were in a small town, Indiana, which meant there were cornfields and cemeteries, and, uh, like, abandoned, uh, like, uh, auto plants. I mean, that was, like, it. And so there's not a whole lot to do. Um, and as we were there, we, we uh, had some friends that connected us with a show, um, told us about this show that we started watching called 24. I don't know if anyone here has watched 24 before. Um, 24 is uh, a show with this hero named Jack Bauer. He's the closest thing my generation has to Chuck Norris. So um, he's always fighting the bad guys. And 24 takes place like in real time. So like every you know, episode's an hour over a 24 period um, day. And like the season starts with like an hour and then they go through the whole day. Um, so every, every you know, episode is like an hour, and it's super addicting. And I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember these things called DVDs, um, but back before like streaming and Netflix and all that, if you wanted to watch a season of a show, you would get like a season packet, and it would come like a book with like all these different DVDs in it. And so we had like Friends and then 24, and like every DVD could only hold like two or three episodes because like the technology was so bad they could only have like a couple hours worth of show. So we had a couple seasons, we dove in, we start, you know, watching 24 and we just get addicted, start binge watching it. Then we, you know, season would be up and we couldn't get access to the next season. So we went to this place called Blockbuster Video. <laughs> and if you were lucky, they had the season available. And so we would get the season and then you'd have to return it, you know, before you know, you had to pay a fee, so we would just like, we have two days to watch this whole season. <laughs> and so, after about a week of watching five seasons, uh, I remember I was working for this ministry at, at school, this college ministry called Open Door, and we had like a leadership meeting, and I go in, and we're doing prayer requests. And I remember thinking like, you know, we're kind of going around praying, you know, praying for stuff locally, and then praying for stuff like what's going on in our nation. I remember thinking like, like raising my hand and be like, we should be praying for that, um, that hostage crisis in Los Angeles. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, there's like a hospital that there's a bomb threat, and they have all these people that are, and I'm like, wait a second, that might not be real. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I realized like, I've been watching 24 for like the last five days straight. And I am having a hard time remembering what's real and <laughs> like what's really going on and what's 
part of 24. And I'm like, I have a problem. And, um, and I think that's what happened. Like, we binge-watching this thing had, like, programmed my mind to think, like, this is actually happening in the world. It's, like, the forefront of my mind, and I'm worried about it, and I'm anxious, and I'm totally engaged in the story. Here's what Scripture does. Scripture grounds us in truth. We are bombarded by messages and data and information every single day. And we take it in, and we take it in, and we take it in. And it's entertainment. It's addicting. Um, social media makes it go crazy. And we're just consuming all of this information. And it affects our brainwaves. It affects how we think, how we uh, interact with the world. And so often what happens is we're spending all of this time consuming information, and we spend so little time in God's word. This ancient wisdom, this timeless truth that connects us with eternity. And it grounds us in truth. And if, like, you know, we all are busy. We all have these lives where we're doing these different things. We have access to whatever. It's so hard to remember sometimes that God has divinely spoken to us through this sacred text. And we don't prioritize a life around it. And we don't read it methodically. And yet it grounds us in truth. And there's something here that feeds our soul and it feeds our mind with these timeless truths of God. This is who God is. This is what he's doing in this world. So we read it methodically because it nourishes our soul. It grounds us in truth. Um, when we read it methodically, it also it reveals God's heart for the world. It reveals God's heart, what he is doing. Um, it reveals what he's up to. I, I was reading... Uh, so as a pastor, I read a lot of books about, you know, reading books about reading the Bible, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I, I love, if you look at the, the arc of Scripture, the Old Testament, it's all about anticipation. They're anticipating the Savior that's going to come into the world and just bring about redemption and salvation. The Gospels are all about the manifestation of this Savior, the life of Jesus. The Acts are a proclamation of the church. This is what God is doing in this world through Jesus. The Epistles are an explanation. This is how we do community and life together, and Revelation is the consummation. This heart of God is revealed through this book, this sacred scripture. And we start to see this is God's heart for people. This is compassion. This is forgiveness. This is justice. This is what God's doing, and this is the story that we have been invited into. When we read it methodically, God reveals his heart to us. It's this revelation that is divine. When we read it methodically, it also guides our life. It guides our life. This is the thing that, that gives us direction, that gives us wisdom. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a light for my path and a lamp for my feet. This is something that, that, that God has given us this to, to show us the way. This is how we are, this is how we understand what it means to be human, how we understand how to interact with other humans. Uh, th this is the thing that guides our decision making. And when we read it methodically, uh, we, we come to this understanding of here's what God is doing. It grounds us in truth. It nourishes our soul. We read it methodically daily. The second thing that we, we can do is that we read scripture meditatively. We meditate on scripture. This is a, a, a word, meditate, you could say we read it prayerfully when we read scripture. We don't just come read it and just check it off for the day, which is better than nothing, um, but to spend time just soaking in scripture, to, to meditate on God's word. Uh, Eugene Peterson, 
Uh, another one of my favorite authors wrote The Message, which is a paraphrase of the entire Bible. Um, as a pastor, uh, he took the entire Bible and kind of paraphrased it for his local congregation. I have no idea how he had the time to do that, um, but it took him about 10 years. 10 years of just paraphrasing scripture, which means that he has uh, an amazing just grasp of these ancient languages and also an amazing uh, writing ability to make it so compelling. Um, and, and with his kind of understanding of the ancient languages of like Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, uh, he, he, yeah, just paints these beautiful pictures of, what, of these stories of scripture. Uh, later in his life, he wrote this book called Eat This Book, which if you're a reader, I highly recommend, great book. Um, he talks about how he goes up into Montana where he's retiring at this cabin and he has this dog, it's a hound. And every day he would kind of sit out on his back patio and be reading and kind of hanging out and the dog would get a bone. And the dog would just chew on the bone and gnaw on the bone. And he just got so much joy out of watching the dog enjoy this bone. And every night the dog would dig a hole, drop the bone in it, come back the next morning and uh, pick it up, dig it up, and just chew it all day. And he would say, like, when the dog would, would get the bone, he would just be sitting there chewing on it, gnawing on it. He would just grunt, like, this deep growl of his belly of satisfaction. He was so happy. And uh, Eugene Peterson was thinking about how much he was enjoying this bone, just gnawing on, on it all day. And then when he heard that low growl, he was reminded of this old ancient word for reading scripture called Haggah. Haggah is this Hebrew word and it means, in the literal sense, to, to growl or to groan. And figuratively, it means to meditate or to pray. And Eugene Peterson talks about when we read scripture, it's like gnawing on a bone, which is kind of a weird picture. But the idea that we, we gnaw on it and, and it gets inside of us. It, takes, it's, it doesn't something we just consume quickly, but we, it takes time. And yet, as we gnaw on it, it brings about this joy that gives us kind of like this deep growl. Using this word... Um, uh, literally in scripture, Isaiah 31, 4 says, as a lion growls over its prey. That's the idea of that chagah. Psalm 1, uh, 2 says, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he chagah, meditates day and night. Prayerfully reads the text. Psalm 63, 6 says, upon my bed, I remember thee and meditate on thee in the watches of the night. Psalm 34, 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This idea of like we're consuming scripture in a way that we're meditating on it, like a dog gnawing on his bone. Peterson says uh, this about the sacred text. He says, these words intended, whether confrontationally or obliquely, uh, to get inside of us, to deal with our souls, to form a life that is congruent with the world that God has created, the salvation that he has enacted, in the community that he has gathered. Such writing anticipates and counts on a certain kind of reading, a dog with a bone kind of reading, a kind of reading where we meditate on God's word. And we believe that this text, this Bible, was divinely inspired when it was written. And we should anticipate when we read it that we're divinely inspired. That only happens through prayer, meditating on God's word, day and night. A couple things that I think meditation, uh, prayerfully reading scripture allows us to do is one, um, when we pray, we have that inspiration that comes, that God connects with us through prayer, through his word. The second is it allows us to focus. If you're like me, um, you're probably extremely distracted. 
I used to not be so distracted, and I don't know if it has to do with my phone. I'm guessing it has to do with my phone. Um, so that's why we got like an app for your phone, so because that's what you need. Um, but uh, but but setting aside time where I can actually prayerfully read scripture allows me to focus and limit my distractions. The other thing that meditation does is, uh, as we prayerfully read the scripture, it exposes. Uh, I found this our our kind of selfish interpretations of scripture. It exposes our sin, the ways that we've missed the mark, but also exposes. Um, my, I, so often what I do is I want to read the scripture and justify my decisions because of what I have found in the scripture. Um, but when we meditate on it, we allow the scripture to read our lives. We allow scripture to read us. It's not just something that, that we're reading as something that supplements our life. This is like, oh, this, this is something that helps correct us in ways that we miss the mark or, or brings us accountability, um, but ultimately brings us life. When we meditate on scripture, we don't just read scripture. Scripture starts to read us, read our lives. We put ourselves in a place where we can do that. And then finally, uh, read scripture for memorization. These all start with the letter M. Uh, methodically, meditatively, and memorization. And I think memorizing scripture is a lost art in our culture. I remember growing up. You know, like Sunday school, you memorize your Bible verse and you get like a sticker or you go to like, uh, you know, vacation Bible school and you get points for your team if you memorize scripture. As adults, what do we do to memorize scripture so that it is something that is inside of us? As the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. When we memorize scripture, what it does is it gives us power. It, It... not only does it ground us in truth, but we live in this world where the evil one lies to us about ourself, about our identity, about what other people think about us. Scripture is a weapon of the kingdom that allows us to combat the lies of Satan. So as we read scripture, as we memorize scripture, as it gets inside of us, there's something in it that grounds us. We're reminded that, uh, that uh, at times of grief, Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd. In times where we mess up, we're reminded that there's, as Romans says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we spend time with God, we're reminded that as we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. We memorize scripture. We hide God's word in our heart and our soul. And it gives us power. This is God's word. We read scripture. One of the longest psalms, uh, that was written as Psalm 119. And this is always a, an interesting a psalm to me. Um, if you want to have a goal for 2020, memorize Psalm 119. There's like 120 you know, verses or something. But maybe you start with the first, six, the first 16 verses. And these are the beautiful words of Scripture. It was written um, as a celebration of God's word. And I just want to read these words. It says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but they follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. And oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame. When I consider all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart. And as I learn your righteous laws, 
I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. And I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is written as a celebration psalm that through God's word, through the discipline of reading it methodically, meditating on it, uh, memorizing it, uh, it's not something that constricts his life. It's something that brings joy and freedom. And these are the words of someone who is joyful and free. There's life to be found in these words. Uh, One of our sister churches uh, recently had a party at their church, and the pastor was telling me that there was a man in the church that was uh, an alcoholic and, you know, had struggled with some of these demons his whole life. And now that he's older, um, he's put together kind of this new ministry that um, works with teenagers uh, who are already dealing with alcohol abuse. And he throws these parties for teenagers and invites them to come and have a party that doesn't have alcohol. And that's kind of his... Uh, his ministry is, is helping these, these, uh, these teenagers who are really already struggling with this. And so they, they needed a place for a party, and they let them have it at, at their church. Um, so the pastor there was telling me, like, you know, there's all these, these uh, teenagers that are on campus. And um, he's like, I, I'm realizing as I'm talking to these, these kids that this is like, you know, they, they're not our typical teenagers that, that come to, to church. Um, they have these backgrounds or these stories where they're already... Um, just kind of suffering uh, through life. And he was sitting down with one of them, and this, this older man who uh, had battled, battled alcoholism was talking to this, this young man about kind of, um, you know, his life. And they started talking about the Bible. And he was saying, do you ever read your Bible? And the, the young teenager was like, well, no, not really. He's like, why not? And he's like, well, he's like, I, he goes, I, I, one, it's boring. Um, and, and two, like, I'm not the kind of guy that should read the Bible. If you knew kind of my life and, you know, what, what I've done, and, and, the, and, and the older man said, well, this is, no, you're exactly like who, who should read this, and uh, they started having kind of this conversation, and he, and he finally, the pastor told me, he finally said something that just stuck with them. The older man said, you just need to keep reading it. You just need to keep reading it, and he's like, I do, and, you know, I, I've tried, and it's important. He goes, you just need to keep reading it because, once you do, what you realize is that you're going to encounter God in these pages. So the second thing is you're going to realize that this is a story uh, that we find ourselves in. And as you read through these pages, you're going to start realizing, this sounds like my life. This story sounds like it's about me. And you'll see what God has done in these pages with people who have had their ups and downs, um, people who have made huge mistakes, yet there's this God of grace that has pursued them that has loved them, that has died for them, and offered them salvation and redemption. You will meet that God in these pages. And my friend who's a pastor said, like, that was like the best sermon I've ever heard. Like, we get up every week and tell people to read your Bible. And then you sometimes forget that there's power in these old stories, in this ancient wisdom, because this is God's story of his love for humanity. 
that phrase, just keep reading, stuck with me. Just keep reading. We are people who are biblically formed. We are people of the book. We spend time reading it methodically, meditatively, memorizing it, and we just keep reading because this is where God shows up. Tim's going to come back up and close us with uh, a time of, uh, of communion. And one of the things that we want to do is, as a church is to read corporately, read together. That's something we don't do very often. Um, so he's going to lead us through the Lord's Prayer and then through a time of communion. Um, each week we close our time with communion. Uh, for us, these are, uh, this is the symbolic sacred act of God's love. We take a piece of bread that represents God's body that was given to us. We take a cup of juice that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us. This ultimate act of love um, that gives us life. And so if you, uh, uh, we, we say we open, practice open communion here. Father of Jesus, we invite you to the table. Um, if you've never encountered the living God, um, we want to say we, God is pursuing you with this love relationship. Uh, we would love to tell you more about what that looks like. Um, as followers of Jesus, let's be people of the book. Let's commit to spending time each day in, in these sacred words. Uh, Tim's going to close us with this prayer. All right, let's read. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.